Hebrews chapter number 12 tonight. And um, I did not think that we would be heading this direction tonight. I've got another message that's really burning in my heart that I want to give you. And maybe I'll give it to you Sunday if the Lord allows me to do that. But God began to give me something personally in the, uh, in the study this week, uh, a little earlier. And I really felt like this was probably more of a need tonight. And so Hebrews chapter 12 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And we have not done responsive reading at Calvary in a long, long time. And I, I just thought maybe we'd change it up a little bit tonight and do some responsive reading. And what that means is I'll read the first verse and then you read the next verse with me. And then I'll read the next verse and then you read the next verse with me. That's what we mean when we say responsive reading. So I'm going to start in verse 12 and then I want you to read verse 13. And then I'll read 14. Then you, read, you help me read 15 and so on. And so Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to start in verse number, uh, verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Verse 13 together. Ready? And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15. Ready? looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. We'll finish on verse 17. Ready? For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You may be seated. Well, that was good. Wow. We may start doing a little bit more of that. That was a blessing. I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, Stay on the Wheel Paths. Stay on the Wheel Paths. Odd title, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about by the time we're done tonight. And uh, boy, God really, uh, God really spoke to my heart through Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to try to see if I can share with you what God gave me in the privacy of my study this week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary Baptist Church tonight. Lord, thank you for the great music and singing. And uh, Lord, how our hearts have been encouraged by coming together and, and singing together as a congregation, a church family. Lord, thank you for the wonderful special. I'm so glad, Lord, that you love me just like I was your only child in the whole world. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for what you're doing at Calvary. And Lord, without, because, and, and, and Lord, this is just our folks tonight. And so without sounding braggadocious or anything like that, Lord, it really is amazing what you're doing. And so Lord, for that, we're thankful. But at the same time, we're mindful that the powers of darkness are not going to sit idly by while folks are being saved and converts are being baptized and new families are coming in. Lord, we know that the devil is going to fight. We know, Lord, that he's going to do everything in his power to try to, <clears throat> to, try to break up a work like this, to try to keep it from going forward. But I believe with all of my heart, because greater is he that is in us, than he that is in the world. And because, God, we've been reminded that we're not just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We believe, God, that you can supernaturally give longevity to this work. And God, we believe that this church can, can endeavor on and be faithful to the work that you've called it to do until the trumpet sounds and we go home to be with thee in the air and so, Lord, I pray that's what would happen. Give us great longevity. God, I pray that you'd touch us and breathe on us. I pray that you'd protect us. And God, I pray that once again on this Wednesday evening Bible study, I pray that you'll unite our hearts together as we learn, Lord, something from your precious book tonight. God, clear the way. We plead the blood of Jesus. I'm glad that Brother Brandon picked that song tonight. Redeemed, redeemed. 
by the blood of the Lamb, and we plead the blood of Jesus tonight. And God, I pray that you'd have your way in this service. We pray for your help and your touch, not just for the pastor, but for the people. And God, I pray that you'll teach us a great truth. We love you and ask you for your help. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. I want to draw your attention tonight, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 13. That is our text tonight. The Bible says, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. What's the Bible saying here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 13? Well, I want to see if I can explain it a little bit for you tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, when the Bible mentions straight paths there, it's saying this, that as more mature Christians, which is what we're supposed to be, that's why you're here tonight. Uh, you're here not just to, to sacrifice your time. You're here tonight to try to be more mature Christians. And as more mature Christians, we are to make sure that we walk in paths that are straight, straight. Literally, and I love this, literally the phrase straight paths means walk in the wheel paths. By the way, you don't have to take my, my word for that. And this is not, you know, uh, sometimes people, I'm sure sometimes people think, you know, I wonder if preachers just put stuff together like this just to make it sound more glamorous. And, and I promise you that's not the case. I encourage you to go study it out for yourselves. The word or the phrase straight paths means walk in the wheel paths. Or it means walk in the wheel ruts is what it means. Now, I'm going to be honest. I love that. And the reason I love it is because it just reminds me that the word of God is so understandable. And so people say, well, I just can't understand the Bible. Well, you know what? Keep on reading it before you say that because the more you read it, and the more you ask God to give you something, the more he's going to teach you uh, the word of God. Now, I'm going to be honest. As a country boy, I know what it means when the Bible says walk in the will paths. I know what that's all about. Now, will paths, will paths. By the way, it's the reason we put that specific picture on the screen tonight. What you see on the screen is what's called will paths or will ruts. In Union Grove, we might refer to it as a log road. Or we might even refer to it as a deer path. But that's, I mean, that's really what it is. When I was growing up, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this, when I was growing up as a boy, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't even know what a cell phone was. We, we didn't have PlayStation. We didn't have, um, you know, uh, uh, all these other things uh, these newfangled thing. We didn't have any of that stuff back in. We had slingshot. We had slingshots and pocket full of rocks and, and BB guns and pellet rifles. And, and, uh, and, and I said that to say this, that, man, we spent, the, we spent the abundance of our time in the woods. We were always in the woods. Man, we were damming up the creek. We were walking on the railroad. We were going through the woods, building, building tree houses and, I mean, all kind of things. And so we spent a lot of time in the woods. And oftentimes when we were heading to a certain destination, we would take a shortcut. And that shortcut would be a wheel path. It would be a wheel rut that we would follow to our destination, much like what you see on the screen here tonight. We would, uh, and we knew where it went. We'd walked it many times. And so uh, rather than walk the road, well, we'd get off road and we would walk through the woods and we'd get on this log road or this deer path. Uh, and we would walk this, uh, this, this log road or this wheel path. And let me tell you what it did. It made the trip much easier. It was a lot less work to walk the wheel path than it was to walk where there wasn't a wheel path. We didn't have to worry about getting lost. We knew where it went. We knew where it started. We knew where it ended up. On this wheel path, we were a, less, a lot less likely to stumble as long as we stayed on the wheel path. Are y'all following me tonight? When I used to hunt, I don't, I don't hunt anymore, but when I used to hunt, and we got a lot of deer hunters here tonight, we often took a deer path to our stand. 
And if you, get, you ever hunted, you know what I'm talking about. You can get out in the woods and you'll, you'll find deer paths all through the woods. And those deer, they've got those paths just beat down. I mean, uh, they've got you just a beautiful little path that you can just walk through and you don't have to worry about briars and thickets and limbs and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and you can just walk down that deer path or sometimes we would walk down an old logging road uh, to get to our stand. Now I'm going somewhere, I promise you. I'm, I'm not just reminiscing, I promise you, I'm going somewhere. You know what the Bible is saying here in Hebrews chapter 12? This is what our Bible is teaching us. Don't just walk through the briar patch because you can. Because you can be walking on the wheel paths. What the Bible is saying here is this. Don't be trudging through the deep and the thick woods when there is a clearly marked wheel path for you to walk on. Now, here's the reason. Here's the reason. It's right here in our Bible. The reason the Bible is challenging us to stay on the wheel path, to stay in the wheel rut, to walk in that path that has already been trudged on, that's already been wore down. The reason we're to do that is because of this, that if you and I detour, if we detour off the wheel path and start trudging through the thicket, there's a good chance we're going to lose some of those that are coming behind us. You might make it to the destination. But, but those that are following after you are going to fall out by the way. Those that are weaker are going to become lost in the fray. You see, if you and I will stay on the path, even those who are slightly wounded because it's an easier path to walk on rather than walk through the cactus and rather than walk through the briars and rather than walk through the rattlesnakes and rather than walk through the, the, the pitfalls and, and the holes and the groundhog holes, rather than do that, those who are even slightly wounded because it's an easier path will eventually be healed. Look what your Bible says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 13. And make straight paths for your feet. Walk in the wheel paths. That's what he's saying. Stay in the rut. Stay in that wheel rut. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Someone said it like this. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast, deep and wide, through which was flowing a swollen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The rapids held no fears for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, cried a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your time in building here. Your journey will end with the closing day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at even tide? The builder lifted his old grayed head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there follows after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This stream which has been as naught to me, to that fair youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. Now, what is our Bible saying here? That there are going to be some people that are going to be coming after you, that are going to be following you, that are not quite as mature as you are. They've not grown in the Lord quite as much as you have. And so because you are more mature in the Lord and you've been at this thing a little bit longer and you've been studying your Bible longer and you've been praying longer and you've been attending the house of God longer, what the Bible is saying this, that you and I are to make straight paths for our feet. We're to walk in the willpower. Don't get off the trail. Don't get off the road. Don't get over in the thicket. Don't get over in the briar patch. You say, well, I think I can. Okay, all right. I understand that maybe you could. Maybe you can. Maybe you can still make it to your destination. But there are some folks that are following after you. And if you get off the road, there's a good chance they're never gonna make it to their destination. Now, what is this? And I, I'm interested tonight about this wheel path. Make straight paths for your feet. What is this wheel path that the Bible is talking about tonight? I'm going to give you several things real quickly tonight, if I could, about these wheel paths. Number one, it seems, first of all, it seems to be a peace with all men. 
Now look in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 13. Uh, the, the writer, which is probably the apostle Paul, uh, uh, the, the writer says in verse number 13, and make straight paths for your feet. Stay in the rut. Stay in the wheel paths. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now, what is this willpath? Well, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, follow peace with all men. Why don't you love your Bible tonight? Amen. I, I sprung that one on you. Don't you love your Bible tonight? Amen. You know, the Bible's so interesting in, in the precise way that, that it uh, words itself. Did you notice tonight the Bible does not say follow peace with men? Not what it said. It says follow peace with all men. Wow. <laughs> Boy, that's tough. Why does the Bible have to be so complicated? Now, you know what? How many know this? How many know that there are some people who are just difficult to be peaceful with? There are just some folks, I mean, you try your best, and yet it just seems like you can't win for losing. Uh, you try to keep the peace, and it just seems like as you're trying to keep the peace, they want to fuss, and they want to argue, and they want to debate, and they want to fight. And, uh, but this is what our Bible is saying to us tonight, and this is simple, simple preaching this evening. But as mature Christians, you and I are to do our dead-level best to try to keep the peace with everybody we can. Even those folks that are hard to keep the peace with. We're to endeavor. We're to strive. We're to put forth energy. We're to put forth effort. And you say, preacher, but you don't understand how hard it is. And you're probably right. I probably don't. But I do, wanna, I do know what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we're to follow peace with all men. If we're going to stay in that wheel path, if we're going to stay on the trail, if we're going to keep from getting out in the briar patch and down in the valley and down in the gully and down in the quicksand, then it's important that we stay on the wheel path. And that wheel path is this. It is keeping a peace with all men. Now you say, Pastor, I, I, think, that's, I, think, I think that's almost impossible. Well, I want you to hold your Bibles tonight in Hebrews chapter 12 because we're going right back there. But I want you to turn over with me, please, to Romans chapter 12 tonight in your Bibles. Romans chapter number 12. And I want you to find your place in verse number 17 tonight. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 17. Now let's find out what the Holy Spirit, uh, as he talks about this subject a little bit, let's find out what the Word of God says to us. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 17, the Bible says, uh, recompense, you're looking for it, I'm gonna go ahead and start reading. Romans chapter 12 verse 17, recompense to no man Evil for evil. Now, what does that mean, pastor? Well, it means just what it says. If somebody does you evil as a mature child of God, you're not to return evil just because they did evil to you. Well, you say, preacher, I wouldn't have cussed them, but they cussed me first. But our Bible says recompense to no man evil for evil. Well, you say, pastor, I wouldn't have cheated them, but they cheated me first. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Look what it says. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Uh, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. And if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I know that there are uh, occasionally you run into people and they're like, uh, preacher, I couldn't help it. I mean, I, I, had to, I had to fight back. I had to get even. I want you to understand something. That God said this, that you and I as mature uh, Christian people, we're, disposed to, we're, we're, we're to do our best to try to live peacefully with all men and understand this, that God's keeping a record. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you to handle them. God doesn't need you to punish them. God doesn't need you to torment them. God said, I'm keeping up with all of that. You just do what you're supposed to do and live like you're supposed to live and I'll take care of all of that. And, and uh, listen, uh, God is, God's doing okay. You know that God's doing all right. And uh, you know, uh, sometimes I see, sometimes I see preachers and, 
And, uh, you know, another preacher will make a mistake or a preacher will fall or something like that. And then I see all these preachers, man, start circling around like a bunch of vultures. And, and they feel like it's, you know, it's God's calling, you know, for them to, to expose this man. He's already been exposed, but they feel like it's God's calling for them to knock him down and kick dirt on him and, and to tell everybody how bad he is. And, and, I, and sometimes I look at that and, and uh, I don't read their periodicals they put out. I'm, I'm, I don't read that kind of smut and garbage and, and negativism. But I, sometimes I want to say to those preachers, don't you understand that God's capable of taking care of all that? God doesn't need me to take care of the preacher down the road or the preacher up the road. God is well able to do that. And here's what our Bible is saying, that you just leave all of that to me. And God said, I'll take care of them. But we're to live peaceably with all men. You can turn over if you want to. You don't have to. Luke chapter 6, verse number 27 The Bible says it like this, Luke chapter six, verse number 27. The Bible says, but I say unto you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Verse 29, Luke six, verse 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Look at verse 31. It's what we call the golden rule. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. Now, I'm going to get off this point and go to the next point, but I'm just saying this. Someone says, preacher, what is this straight path? What is this wheel path that we're supposed to stay in? Make straight paths for your feet. Don't get out of the path. If you do, there are others coming behind you who are, they may not make it to the destination. And so what is this straight path? What is this will path? Well, number one, it is a peace with all men. But there's a second part. Number two, it is a pursuing of holiness. Now turn back, Hebrews chapter 12. If you've turned away from there, look back there with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. The Bible says, follow peace with all men, comma. And then the Bible says, and... Holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness. Now, stay with me. Stay with me, church. Holiness. The word holiness there is the idea of purification. And so what our, what our Bible is saying is there is this, that this straight path that God wants us to stay in, first of all, is a peace with all men. It is a following of peace with all men, but also it is a following of purification. It is a pursuing of holiness. Again, the idea of purification. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can relate tonight. Anybody remember when you were a kid and maybe you're getting ready to eat the meal, getting ready to eat supper or something like that. You've been playing outside and your mom or your dad said to you, go to the bathroom and wash up. I know that none of y'all ever done this. I wonder how many ever went to the bathroom and turned the water on and you went like this. And that was it. You just sort of ran it under the water and you dried your hands on the towel. Or there may even be one or two that did this. When mom or dad said go to the restroom and wash your hands, you turned the water on and you never put your hands under the water. You, you just let the water run, but as far as washing your hands, you didn't see any need to wash your hands. You know, I, I don't even know why God brought that to my attention, but this is what I thought about. Well, a lot of Christians are doing that spiritually. They're good at running the water, but they're not good at getting purified. They know how to cut the water on. They know how to make it sound like, well, I'm clean. Let me tell you something, bro. You're looking at one purified fella right here. I am, I is clean. I'm clean. 
And truth of the matter is, they know how to run the water and they know how to, they know how to make it sound, you know, all good and that kind of thing, but they never ever really got clean. Did you know it's one thing to say that you're a Christian? It's another thing to act like Christ. And the Bible says this, that if we're going to walk in this will path, if we're going to stay in the path where others can follow behind us and make it to the destination, then we're going to have to have a pursuing of holiness. Now, purification. Now, what are some things tonight, what are some things that purify? Well, how about this? Number one, salvation purifies. Now, I've got a lot of scriptures tonight you probably can't keep up, but if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number nine, we just read this the other day and then Pastor Brian came and preached and he preached on it again. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse number nine, the Bible says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11 says this, and such were some of you. But then he says this, but you're washed. But you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that salvation purifies. In fact, until, until you get this one right here, you might as well not go any further because you're never gonna really be clean until you come in contact with the cleaner, until you come in contact with Jesus. And so salvation purifies, but there's something else. Number two, scripture purifies. John chapter 15, verse number three, the Bible says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Ephesians chapter five, verse number 26 says it like this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now again, hang with me church, this is what I'm saying, that if you and I are gonna stay in the wheel path like, we, like we're supposed to, if we're going to make it to the destination unharmed, if we're going to let some others come behind us and also follow us, our example, and make it to the destination, then we're going to have to, number one, have peace with all men. But number two, there's going to have to be a pursuing of holiness and purification. Number one, by salvation. Number two, by the word of God. That means that every single day you need to get in this book and spend time in this book and read in this book. And here again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, you know, but I'm just telling you, you say, preacher, but I, I read it and it don't do anything for me, but keep on reading it. Keep on reading it. And you say, well, preacher, I read it on Monday and Tuesday and he didn't do anything for me. Keep on reading it because when you read this book, even though you don't know it's happening, this book is serving as a detergent. It's serving as a cleanser. It's serving as a purifier. Hey, out with the old, in with the new, man. Put this book in your mind and, and let it saturate, uh, saturate your mind. Why? Because scripture purifies. But there's something else. Now, you're not supposed to talk about this one anymore. But separation from sin purifies. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at this with me tonight. First Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to find verse number 14 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. So anymore, if you preach on separation, you're labeled as a legalist. And so now many of our churches are just bypassing the doctrine of separation altogether. But it's still in the Bible. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14 says it like this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Verse 14. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? In other words, the, the Bible's giving us a, a, a stark contrast here. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, what's, what's the Bible saying here? That we ought to separate from unbelievers. We ought to separate from unrighteousness. We ought to separate from darkness. We ought to separate from worthlessness and sorriness. We ought to separate from infidels. Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now look at chapter 7 and verse number 1. 
The Bible says, having therefore, now whenever you see the word therefore, you always go back and see what it's there for. Having therefore these promises. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about what we just read. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, again, I know this isn't popular preaching anymore, but if we're going to stay in the wheel path, you know what it means? It means living a life of separation. It means separating from things that, separating from the wrong kind of talk, separating from the wrong kind of friends, separating from the wrong kind of actions, separating uh, from immorality and, uh, and a bad thought life and pornography and alcoholism and, and worldliness and, uh, and all of these things. Hey, we are to separate from these things. And if you separate from the world, uh, you know, what happens? It purifies uh, when you separate. But there's something else. How about this? Number four, self-confession purifies. First John chapter one, verse number nine. Some of you have this memorized. You don't even have to go there. First John chapter one, verse number nine. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Righteousness. Now, again, what's our Bible teaching us here? That if you need purification, let me tell you what the, one of the best ways to get it is to go to the Lord and just tell the Lord what you did. A lot of times we'll go to the Lord and we'll say, Lord, I messed up, forgive me. And I'm not against that necessarily, but did you know that what you need to do is you need to confess what you did to the Lord? Your child comes home from school and they said, Dad, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I really messed up. I got expelled today. Well, you know what? It doesn't really stop there. You don't, most parents don't say, well, honey, you know what? You've apologized and you're forgiven. You know what you're going to do? You're going to say, what did you do? You got expelled. Do what? You got expelled. What did you do? You want your child to come clean. You want your child to be honest. You want your child to come to you and to tell you what they've done and to be repentant for what they've done. By the way, God does too. And so it's important that we confess our sins to the Lord. You say, preacher, he already knows. You're right, but he wants to hear you say it. And so if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is this will path That we're to walk in, number one, it is a peace with all men. Number two, it is a pursuing of holiness and purification. But I want to show you a third point quickly. Not only do we see a peace with all men and a pursuing of holiness, but number three, we see appointed admonition. Now, if you've turned away from Hebrews 12, I want you to turn back there quickly, if you will. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Look what our Bible says. This is so important. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14, the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Look what it says. Without which no man shall see the Lord. When I first read that, I thought, whoa. In other words, if you don't walk in this will path, are are you with me tonight? If you don't walk in this will path, of following peace with all men and following holiness, the Bible says without which, these things, without which, no man shall see the Lord. Now what's that talking about? Let me see if I can unpack that for you just a little bit. Did you know that back in this culture in which probably the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews and and back in this culture, people would often present themselves before the king. If you, had a, if you had a request, you'd go to the king. I mean, I'm talking something very serious. Maybe you had somebody coming on your land and they were trying to take your land away from you. Maybe they were threatening to kill your children or, uh, or, or whatever the case may be. You would go to the king and you would present your request before the king for protection, some kind of request. Listen to this. But only the favorites were allowed to actually see the king. In fact, only a select few were privileged to experience his fellowship. By the way, that's true. We won't do it tonight, but did you know we could go back to Esther chapter 2? 
And Esther is getting ready to go before the king. Ahasuerus, listen to this. It took 12 months of purification. 12 months they washed her, cleaned her, perfumed her. For 12 months they worked on her before she could ever enter into the presence of the king. We could go to 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 24. Did you know that King David at one time, King David wouldn't even allow Absalom, his own son, to enter into his presence? Now, here's my point tonight. Did you know that if you and I want to experience the fellowship of our king, it's going to require two things. It's going to require peace, and it's going to require purification. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want to walk with your king and get your prayers answered and fellowship with him and know his joy and know his contentment and, 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 and experience his fulfillment, you know what's going to have to happen? You and I are going to have to stay in the will path. Amen. Amen. We're going to have to stay in the will path. And that will path means we're going to have to keep peace with everybody we can and we're going to have to pursue holiness. So, if somebody comes to you and all they want to do is fuss and all they want to do is fight with their neighbor and all they want to do is criticize and all they want to do is tear down, tear down the church, tear down brother so-and-so, tear down sister so-and-so, constantly criticizing, Never anything positive, always negative. And just constantly, constantly. And then they come and want you to believe that they're in constant fellowship with the king. I smell a rat. I believe I'm preaching the Bible tonight. And so that means this, if we're gonna have, if we're gonna have access to the king if, if we're going to fellowship with him, if he's going to hear us and we're going to hear him and we're going to experience his joy, that means, my dear friend, that you and I must stay in the will path if we're going to experience the fellowship of our king. Appointed admonition. We're done tonight. We're done. Now hear me out. Number four, and last of all, we see a powerful warning. Are you in Hebrews chapter 12? Look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look at the first two words. The Bible says, looking diligently. Looking diligently. Looking diligently at the preacher. It's not what it says, is it? Looking diligently at the deacon. Is that what your Bible says? Mm-mm. Looking diligently at a church member. It's not what it says, church. In fact, if you go back a little earlier than that, you know what it says? For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. You know what our Bible's saying there? You better keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator. Notice the words the Bible's using here. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. God's word gives us a stern warning here tonight that bitterness, that bitterness will most certainly defile you and it will most certainly defile me. But it goes further than that. It'll not only defile you, but let me tell you what it'll do. Eventually, bitterness will lead you into some type of immorality. But that's not all. There's a third part. It'll also cause others to leave the will path. Look what it says. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And then verse 16 uses words like fornicator, profane, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. 
Bitterness defiled the life of Esau. And it left him with almost, you check it out, it left him with almost irreparable damage. I know folks, and I know that you do as well, I know folks after 30 years of pastoring who got something in their crawl. They got a burr in their saddle. You know what's really, really sad, church? A lot of times, it is so petty. It's just, it's just downright silliness. But they got something, they got messed up about something, they got upset about something. And rather than, are you, are you, we're done, are, are you with me? And rather than stay on the wheel paths, they got off the trail. And you know what happened? That root of bitterness sprung up. And you know what happened? It defiled them. A lot of those folks, you know what happened? They went back to drinking. They went back to doping. They went back to an immoral lifestyle. Back to the bars. Back to the nightlife. Back to the taverns. You said, man, what in the world, preacher? What happened? What, what, what happened? I mean, man, they were going to church, singing to the choir. I mean, they were, uh, you know, in a Sunday school class. I mean, man, they were, you know, serving in a ministry, and they were doing good. And, and now, I mean, I saw their vehicle parked outside the bar on Saturday night. I mean, man, what in the world happened? I'll tell you what happened. They got off the wheel path. They got off the wheel path and bitterness came in and rather than get it right, rather than forgive, rather than forget, you know what? They let that bitterness well up inside of them and that root of bitterness did exactly what our Bible says it would do. It sprung up and it defiled them. But here's the saddest part. It didn't just defile them. It got everybody around them. And now their kids are a bitter lot. Wouldn't, wouldn't give you a dime for the church. Don't care about darkening the door of a church. Don't care about preaching. Don't care about the Bible. In fact, some of them, if you invited them to church, they'd probably cuss you. You say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Somebody let a root of bitterness spring up inside of them and they didn't deal with it. And because they didn't deal with it, it defiled them, but it spread like a contagion. And it defiled their children. Now, we're done tonight, but I want to tell you something, Calvary, and this is just, let me preach this in love tonight. If you and I are going to walk on the wheel path and enjoy fellowship with our king, we're going to have to forgive others. That's just, that's a fact, isn't it? Fanny Crosby, will you forgive me for using a couple of old stories? Fanny Crosby wrote 8,000 hymns. Some of the, the hymn, hymnals that her songs are in, she had to change her name to a pen name because she had so many hymns in that hymnal that she started writing under a different name so she was able to get more of her hymns into those songbooks. She was six weeks of age when she developed a minor eye inflammation. And without, I mean, they, they did what they thought was right. They took her to the doctor for treatment. However, the doctor treated her when he treated her, he used the wrong medicine and she became permanently blind. Six weeks old, became permanently blind for the rest of her life. She was interviewed later, later, much, much later in her life and this is what she said about the doctor. She said, if I could meet him now, I would say thank you over and over and over again for making me blind. You know why? Because she felt like because she was blind, God gave her a gift to write those wonderful songs, those songs that we sing many times here at Calvary Baptist Church. Again, old story. I think I, I use this story. I look back in my records. I used this story a year or two ago. Dr. Tony Evans is uh, in his car. He's almost home. He's in his neighborhood, almost home. And turning, I think, in fact, I think he said turning on his street when somebody rear-ended him. Not, not severe, in other words, there weren't injuries, but, but uh, hit his car pretty good. Well, they got out, and, and uh, Dr. Evans walked around the car, and it was a pretty good dent in the back of his car, and, but not a big deal. And so he said to this 
driver. He said, I'll tell you what let's do. He said, I'm almost home. This is my neighborhood. He said, it's not that big a deal. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do. He said, we'll trade insurance information and we'll just let our insurance handle it. And the other fellow said, I don't have any insurance. And Dr. Evans said, now we have a problem. He said, I have a dent in my car caused by somebody else. It's not my fault, but it is my inconvenience. He said, if I wait for them to fix my car, it may be forever. So Dr. Evans said, you know what I did? He said, I picked up the tab. And the moment I picked up the tab, I didn't have to drive around with a dent anymore. I made the payment. You can close your Bibles, we're done. You know our churches are full of? You know why? Do you know why it's no wonder that the Spirit of God is not moving in miraculous ways? You know why? Because there's a lot of Christians who walk in the church every single Sunday and they're dented. And they're waiting on somebody else to fix it. Well, when he apologizes, I'll be okay. I doubt it. I doubt it. Very seriously. I doubt it. You know why? Because if you have that kind of attitude, it won't be long. Somebody else will cross you. Somebody else will do something. Somebody else will dent your car. Somebody else will put a dent in your life. You know what? It would be a great day at Calvary Baptist Church and all across America if Christians would just say, you know what? I'm just going to pick up the tab. So-and-so dented me. I mean, he dinged me pretty good. He really did. But I'm not going to wait on him or her to get it right. I'm just going to pick up the tab. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. And I'm going on with my life. Amen. You know why? You know why? Because we have a responsibility to stay on the will path. And you know why it's so big? Because there's other people that are coming behind us. And if we get off the path, there's a good chance they won't make it to where they're supposed to go. That's a simple word, but that's the word the Lord gave me in the study just not, not too long ago. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I don't know everything that's going on in everybody's life, but I do know this, life's too short. Life's too short to get all messed up, been out of shape, Life's way too short, Lord, to allow bitterness to come into our lives. Life's way too short to allow bitterness to defile our families. Lord, to ruin our homes. And Lord, it could be tonight that this is just 100% preventive maintenance preaching tonight. But I do know this, Lord. We need to stay on the wheel path. Lord, help us not to get out of the briar patch. Maybe there's somebody here that's watching by way of live stream tonight and somewhere along the line, somebody hurt them, somebody cheated them, somebody lied about them, somebody slandered them, somebody rubbed them the wrong way. Lord, it, it, it could get even more serious than that. There's a very good chance there's somebody here tonight who's been abused, seriously abused. And although, Lord, we are not, we are not belittling that in any way. It's tragic. Lord, maybe there's someone who has held on, held on to that and held on to that and held on to that and held on to that. And Lord, tonight, would you help some folks to say, I'm getting back in the wheel path again. I sort of got out in the woods. I sort of got out of the trail. But I'm getting back in the wheel path tonight. I'm forgiving. I'm forgetting. I'm going forward with my life. I can't determine what others do, but I'm going forward. Father, I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And uh, we're going to let you go here in just a, just a minute.
First of all, how many here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that, you'd slip your hand up right now. Hallelujah. That's so wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask a second question. Is there one here tonight, anywhere, right now, you'd say, Pastor, I do not know that. I don't know for sure I'm saved. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I want to pray for you tonight. Without anybody looking tonight, without anybody looking around, I just wonder tonight so I know how to pray. If there's some folks here tonight who say, Preacher, I'm dented. Pastor, I'm dented. Well, somebody ran into me. Man, oh man. I mean, they really, they really rear-ended me. You pray for me that I'll give it to God and that I'll stay in the will path. If that's you tonight, without anybody looking, you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me, remember me. Pray for me, pray for me. All right, God bless you, God bless you. Several hands tonight. Let's all stand if you would. Father, have your way in the invitation. Lord, it could be that somebody needs to get saved tonight. Lord, maybe tonight someone needs to leave that burden at the cross. Go out of here free this evening. Lord, I pray that's what would happen. God, help us to walk in the wheel path. God, help us to stay in these ruts that you have determined for us. They lead to a wonderful destination. And God, outside that wheel path, there's a lot of pits and holes and thorns and hurt and pain. Helps to make straight paths for our feet. Have your way in the invitation, Lord, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to do this real quickly. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if there's one here tonight that needs prayer, or if we can help you in any way, we're here for you. And, uh, and so you come tonight while we pray.